0: today we pray for this message we pray for what we're going to say today and we pray that it helps and lifts the lives of your people we pray Lord that everything I say today will be helpful it it may sting a little bit but it's helpful and at the end of the day we can leave this place and say I'm better better than when I came wiser than when I came and more able to balance my life in every area especially in the intimate areas of my life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I want you to open your notes up, if you would, please. And let me just start. And um, I want to share um, from a text that I I think really just speaks uh, to this whole issue. Repeat the topic with me, please. bedroom Bedroom blind children. That is the overall theme. Of today's message the the series is on bedroom blindness it's a study what the Bible says about your sex life and it's, I use the term bedroom blindness just simply to make it easier to talk about it so it's not like saying that over and over again and and I just wanted to find a phrase a term that we all can relate to it is my argument that when it comes to our intimate lives our sexual lives a lot of us are blind and have been raised to be blind uh, I had a wonderful family that loved me, but I think in many ways they were bedroom blind, in many ways. I think there was a, an inability to understand the long-term implications of certain choices, especially in our sexual lives, and I think for many of us, this is a hushed subject in church and in our families. But I think it really does help when the children, especially, are taught. Children must be taught everything and they are taught everything one way or the other, by example or, or, or by just um, you sitting them down and teaching them. And that's really what the Bible encouraged you to do in Deuteronomy 6, it encouraged you to sit with your children, talk to them as they go along the way, it says in Deuteronomy 6. Talk to them, sit them down and say, hey, here's, here's what this means and here's what this rock means and here's what this, 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 this is where this happened, this great fight took place here. And God always wanted us to teach and talk and share. The the challenge is sometimes we don't know how to do that, so we leave our children alone. And when you leave your children alone, the Bible makes a profound statement here in Proverbs 29, verse one. It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his parents to shame. Brings shame, I'm sorry, to his mother. A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 15, the English Standard Version. Everybody needs to be clear, children that are not guided, go astray. And I believe sometimes parents fail to realize that their blindness rolls down to their children. That's why the subtitle of this message is, It Does Not Stop With You. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. It does not stop with me. Say it, come on. It does not stop with me. It doesn't. Your choices don't. If you leave your children alone, they will pick up all of, your, all of your issues. There's a tremendous statement made by a missionary. They were talking about how a person catches passion. They said you catch passion the same way you catch malaria. You, you're exposed to it. If you're exposed to people who are bedroom blind, you will be more prone to be bedroom blind. If you're around it, you don't have to ever really have it explained to you. You just pick it up. If they curse, you curse. If they they hit people when they're angry, that's what you do. You're trained to resolve all conflicts with yelling and screaming. That's how we solve our problems. Mean faces. and We do it with little babies. Stop it. I tell you to stop it. It's always. Baby is two months old. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's amazing how blind we can be. And oftentimes there's no one to tell us because we've silenced the old people. The old people used to say, Hey, stop that. You're being silly. That's not smart now. Stop that. You're just two. He's growing. Don't make a big deal out of everything. Every now and then you need somebody. In your life this season to speak to you and when you have that it really affects you it can help you there's a question I want you to think about how did your parenting choices impact your children's current outcome look at your children for a moment and ask yourself the question did I have anything to do with this now this is not a sermon to make you feel bad I don't want you to go around feeling bad okay this is not a I'm a bad parent sermon but it is important to step back and say do I see any of me in this? Did I have any part in this? And you'll see in this study today that David had a great part in what his kids became. Even though he was a good father, good guy, praying guy, he still had a part in it. Just because you go to church and because you read the Bible doesn't mean you didn't pass something down the road. That is a real arrogant assumption. I see it on employment when people get jobs. You, know, you think because you're saved, you're right. No, you're not you're not a good employee because you know Jesus that doesn't make you a good typist that doesn't make you efficient because you can pray you can be a safe sanctified horrible employee hello and I think it's really important for you to pause for a moment and take a step back and say my family's kind of off the rock here when it comes to this bedroom blindness thing I mean did I have any part in that? Is there any part in, there, in me that maybe rolled over to them that maybe we can work on now? I love the way that um, the way he says this. If you look with me and notice verse 15 under the question here. It's, a, it's, a great, it's in Proverbs 29, verse 15. He says, wise, dis, wise discipline imparts wisdom. Spoiled adolescents embarrass their parents. When degenerates take charge, crime runs wild but the righteous will eventually turn out delightful to live with mmm the righteous will turn out delightful to live with when a person is in a relationship with a family that trains them they're more prone to be delightful to live with when you live with people that are not it's not as pleasant And the long-term implications can be tragic, can be very, very difficult. And that, my friend, is my concern. I want you, for a minute, to look at two segments, just two main points for the whole sermon. The first thing is we're gonna talk about growing up with bedroom blind parents. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Growing up with bedroom blind parents. And the second part, we're gonna talk about passing bedroom blindness to your children. Say that with me, please, come on passing bedroom blindness to your children. David was a man who grew up as a bedroom blind father. Now I want you to hear this. He was a godly man with a problem. Can you say that with me please, come on. A godly man with a problem. I answered the question last week, how could you possibly be a person who is a praying, going to church person leader, person, and end up doing what David did? How could you have that kind of position and fail like that? I've seen people ask that question a lot. How could a pastor do that? How could a priest do that? How could, how could, and we have all these people in our minds, how could the boss do that? Bedroom blindness does not favor people. It doesn't matter who you are. The problem, though, in David's life is David doesn't realize that his choices are, be, are going to become generational. And what I'm going to do today is I'm not going to recant what I preached last week, so you've got to go back and listen to the sermon, okay? What I'm going to do is simply look at a text in 2 Samuel, and I want to look at it from the children's perspective, 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to look first just at four observation about David's children, and I want, to, I want you to imagine after David has this horrible experience where he abuses Bathsheba, takes her to be his wife, he's killed her husband, he did all this because of bedroom blindness. He saw her from her roof, was tempted, and, and she didn't tempt him. He should have said, hey, I'm, uh, look, I'm, I'm tell her that someone can, people can see her bathe up here. That's what he should have done because he was the leader, but he didn't. Instead, he sent for her, had a relationship with her, she got pregnant, then he then he killed her husband and married her. Horrible. All fed by bedroom blindness. Something that I, I've noticed, most people who have family secrets, it's tied around something like this. Family secrets are rarely about work, money. It's always, almost always tied to some bedroom blindness. And so David tries to cover this up for a year. Nathan the prophet comes to him. And Nathan the prophet in 2 Samuel 12, which we'll read in just a moment, says to him, hey, uh, he tells the story and looks at David and said, you're guilty. David says, I am. I sinned. I shouldn't have done it. That's one thing that made David different. So I want you to catch this now. He apologizes for what he did. He admits it. He takes full responsibility. He doesn't hide. But that's not the big story. The big story is not, it, it, well, it, it, is the big, it is a big story, but it's not the only story. That's a better way of saying it. There's a second story. It's what happens to the children. So now what I want you to do is step into the role of the children. And I want you to imagine your daddy just did this. And there are four things I want you to notice. Number one, they grew up watching a dad with everything and every opportunity. That's the dad they saw. Nathan the prophet, when he talks to David, this is what he says in 2 Samuel 12, 7. Nathan said to David, you are the man. That was the point about the sin. You did this. You, You are the man who did this. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives in your keeping and gave you the house of Judah, uh, Israel and Judah. And if it had been too little, I, should, I would have given you much more. I gave you everything. They saw a dad who had everything. He did not have to do what he did. This was a choice. He had other wives and concubines. He did not have to bother Bathsheba. He did not have to have this relationship he did not have to do this it's so profound for you to come to that moment when you realize I did not have to do that I did that but I didn't have to do that you know you want to make up excuses well she made me because she didn't kiss me enough or hug me enough or because I was lonely or because I didn't go to church or because the devil made me do it okay yeah right I get all that but at the end of the day it was this is what Nathan said you had every opportunity these kids saw a dad who, who had everything secondly They watched their dad abuse his power, though. The decision he made with Bathsheba, the decision to to enter into a forced relationship with this girl because he was king, was an abuse of power. He had all the power and advantage. And he destroyed a family's dream. This girl had a whole dream for her life. She had a whole vision for her life. Nathan describes her. She knew knew her husband when they were young. They grew up together. And all of a sudden, the selfish leader comes and takes advantage of her just for his own pleasure. Then they watched their dad be judged for his choices. Well, well, go back to verse uh, number two, under verse nine. Second, second, I want to make sure I read this to you. Second second, um, Samuel, chapter 12, verse nine. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and you've taken his wife to be your wife. Boy, what a sad thing. They watched their dad abuse power. Then thirdly, they watched their dad judge, judge for his short. They watched their dad be judged for his choices. So it's hard. The sword shall never depart from your house. Sit up with me, please. Come on. The sword shall never depart from your house. That's a statement that you're going to pay for this for a long time. This doesn't go away in five minutes. Because you've despised me, number one, and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite. You did this. And this is more than just adultery. This is a violation. You know, I told you last time that Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam. Eliam was David's one of David's special forces, soldiers. They called him the mighty men. It was one of the top 30 guys. He knew who this guy was. And that Bathsheba was the daughter of Ahithophel, which was David's main counselor. He knew this family. This was a violation that was personal. I've noticed that most violations are personal. You know the person. It's family. It's someone close. Someone you work with. Bedroom blindness does not care about the relationship we have. There's a crossing of the line. How many young ladies have invited a guy that, they were, that he was my, he's my, he's my brother, my friend? And it's not just guys, it's it's, it's young men who make an assumption. And it's wrong. Because you assume bedroom blindness couldn't possibly be a part of your friend's life. That they couldn't possibly see you in that light. It's a powerful story. Now I want you to note this with me if you would, please. The last thing. They grew up watching their dad with everything and every opportunity. They watched their dad abuse his power. They watched their dad be judged for his choices. Now, lastly, they watched their, their family turn on itself. And that, that's what I'll talk about later on. The Bible says in verse 11 in 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 12, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. What's going to happen is in your own house, David, there's going to be ugly, ugly trouble. When you become bedroom blind, I want you to notice it turns... It turns. Inward, you can really see it in the family, and we're going to see that in a moment. I am so surprised by the outcome of David because he's such a good guy. (laughs) He's such an incredible guy. He's just I mean, you you think about David, you know, you, you know you think about you think about stuff like this. Let me just show you what you think about. He's such an um, incredible writer. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's this guy. That's the guy. This is the guy that you, 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 know, you, you read his stuff, and you go, oh, man, this is David. This is David. This is this guy who slayed Goliath. This is the guy who wrote this great psalm. You remember, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's David. How could the guy who wrote all this, Psalm 91, Psalm 100, bless the Lord, oh my soul, how could this guy be that guy? How could you be the person who comes to church and raises your hand and sings and worships God and you're so committed to God and you're so love God today, but, but not last night, not the night before, not the day before? Somehow there's a huge gap between this person and that person. That person is bedroom blind. That person can see no God. That person has absolutely no connection. When you're on the Internet, there's no Jesus on there with you. You're there by yourself, scrolling around, looking at images that you know are full of lies and deceit. Words you sing, words you sing. To music that may sound good, but the words you sing, the words you say, there's a powerful thing that bedroom blindness does to you. And it's unfair. Please note, it's unfair to you and to your children, which brings me to the next point I want you to look with me, please. There's an incredible thing, Second Samuel chapter 13. Somehow David passed his blindness to his children. You know how? Look at verse one if you would please. Look at this and I want you to note with me in 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse one. After this Absalom the son of David had a lovely sister whose name was what? Tamar. Repeat with me please say after this. After, this. after all that happened in chapter 11, after David had, had, had a relationship with Bathsheba, after David had been publicly embarrassed and his, whole, and his kids watched this happen, After this, chapter 13 happens. Now, if you read ahead, like I told you last week, you already know the story. It's a story full of incest and abuse in the family. It's the ugly story I've heard too many times from too many people. It's a story that's that's pushed over. It's the family secret. It's one that nobody wants to talk about. It's that ugly part that kind of, Makes families gotta kind of hold their breath because you can't be talking about my uncle. You can't be talking about my cousin. You cannot be talking about people in the family. You cannot be talking about people. But listen to me. Most of this stuff starts in families. Most of this stuff lives and grows and breeds in households. And it's mothers who won't face it. It's cousins who won't face it. It's people who, who know the person. You can name it. And some of you are here. You are the person. You are the violator, you are the individual, you are the person who's better than blind and you have, you, have, you have taken advantage of people. Both men and women do not act like it's only guys. That is not, listen, that is not true. I've had guys tell me about babysitters who've experimented with them all their life. I can tell you stories that are horrible. I can tell you stories about families, about siblings who, who, have, who, have, who have put the other person in, in, in places that were incredibly unfair all their lives and you know what you do in your brain? You find a place to put it. You find a place to kind of hang it up over there and kind of just don't talk about this. But part of you, part of you know that some of the dysfunction, some of the emotions you carry tied to that. And it's difficult to explain because what you don't want to do, here's a big one you don't want to destroy the family. You don't want to destroy anybody. You don't want anybody to go to jail. You don't want anybody in trouble. So it just becomes a generational curse. You know, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. um, Man, I get in trouble for this. Uh, (laughs) It's not my testimony. It's a testimony people gave me. This is not my testimony. So don't get all deep with me, okay? And write me an email or say something crazy, okay? I don't need any of that. You know, I'm gonna gonna respond, Mm -hmm, okay? So I wanted to tell you now up front, okay, bam, let me let you know. I've had some people who came to me and said their promiscuous activity was solely tied to being molested. They said, because my daddy did this to me, because my my, um, family member did this to me, I hate to say mother or my cousin, but the stories I've heard are horrible. The stories I've heard are horrible, horrible stories. Teachers, I asked one uh, young lady, she uh, coaches, um, she coaches um, high school and college um, basketball, cute, cute girl, loves God and uh, her family are good friends of mine and I was with them earlier in the year and I don't know how it came up but we were talking about people flirting with you. She said, I said, well, who flirts with you, girl? She said, hey, everybody. She said, the coaches, the parents, the girls and the boys, she said, hey, everybody. She said, it's horrible. She's married, has a kid, loves God, She said, but, it's, but she's a real sports person. And I thought when I heard her say that, I thought, this is terrible. She said, I'm surrounded by, my term, bedroom blind people. And if I were a bedroom blind person, there'd be plenty of opportunity to spread myself around the world because that's the culture we live in. I I really jumped over something I didn't say I've had people come to me and they said my my same-sex choice do not assume I'm saying this applies to everybody what did I say do not assume I'm saying this applies to everybody are you with me don't write me a note I get that but I've had many people tell me this doesn't mean it applies to everybody can I say that enough but people have said to me I was not until I and, and now, I don't know. Until that happened to me, I changed. It was Donnie McClurkin's testimony. I don't know. I can't speak for Donnie. He's a great guy. I'm just making a point. He wrote a book about it. You might as well say it. Praise God. He put it in a book. I'm not saying that's everybody's story, but I'm saying some people who were unfairly abused have confusion. Don't read it. Can't even say anything now. Everybody has this professional know-it-all thing and thinks you're shooting everybody. And I'm telling you something. There's a and there's there's something, and I'm gonna say some more next week. There's something that's really wrong in our in our culture. When you have when you have this inability to have an honest discussion about about Well, come on, amen. That's a fair thing. An honest discussion. Now, but, but what's really powerful is I think there's this. this ache in my soul because we're missing, you're missing the whole point. I'm I'm not I'm not talking about people being bad. I'm simply saying, here is what I know people have said to me, and I understand how hard it is for people who grow up in environments after things happen to them to see they don't know why they're feeling the way they're feeling. To them, it's not the way they should feel. To them, they should not be sleeping around with everybody. To them, they don't understand why. Why am I so why am I like this? Why am I on the internet? Why am I doing these things? Why? And they don't understand it. And sometimes it's because after this, after all the TV shows, after all the things you've watched, after all the movies you've watched, after all the songs you listen to, after everything that you play, after every single thing, after listening to let's get it on over and over, you start wanting to get it on. Because that's what you play all the time. You become what you sing. Are you hearing me today? You become what you sing. Your music, your, your moves, your dance moves. You look like you are bedroom blind when you dance. You can't do a bedroom blind dance long enough without thinking about bedroom blindness. All you got to do is sing. I told you the other day, she's a brick. Mighty, mighty. You start singing that and letting it all hang out. You know, after a while, oh, you can sing the whole song. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know the whole song. You can sing every word of that song. Let's get it on. Oh, oh baby. Come on. Don't act like you don't know anything. Get up in church and act like you're crazy. You know exactly what I'm saying. And I don't know all the contemporary words, but some of y'all know all the words. And it was funny, when I start singing, you start swaying. <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. There's something about coming to that moment in your life where you just say, I'm, I'm just out of control. After this happened, David's family was out of control, grown people, rich kids, man, three things I want you to notice. Repeat them with me, please. Say a blind brother brother with a blind appetite. appetite. Come on, say "A a blind friend of a blind brother. Come on, say a blind plan plan. For for a blind parent. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, after this, Absalom, verse 1, the son of David had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now pause. Amnon is the oldest son of David, next in line to the throne by age. He could technically become the next king. Think about this. And he's fallen in love with Tamar, Absalom's sister. Confusing, right? Now, if you understand, David had a lot of wives. Some say 18. But however many wives David had, imagine. He had Amnon and his mama. He had Absalom and his mama. They had different mothers. Everybody with me? Absalom and, Am- and Tamar had the same mother and father. Are you with me? Which was David. Okay. So understand you got a household with a whole bunch of mamas and you know it's a whole lot of drama. <laughs> right? He's out saving the world, working overtime, doing his thing, right? And he's a praying man. Church going guy. But <laughs> he got this problem. Let me back up and before I go any further and say something that might help you you know, there's a great verse in the Bible that says, God winked on man's ignorance, and let me just show it to you quickly. You know, it's, it's really easy um, when you read about this polygamy to not understand that polygamy was never God's will. God never intended for man to, be, uh, to have multiple wives. But God does not force people to change. He waits for them to grow. And, th- uh, and I think it's really important for you to understand, God winked on man's ignorance because he understood that it just would take a while for man to grow. Acts 17.30 is where the verse is. You can look at it yourself, Acts 17.30. It basically says that God winked on man's ignorance. There are seasons where, you've done this with your children, right? Have you looked at your kid and said, that's gonna be five years? God never from from the beginning of man meant, he made, here's what God's sexual plan was. He made Adam and Eve, okay? And he made them to have children. He made them to propagate the world. That's God's plan. God's plan. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just telling you what it says. God's plan in the beginning was that's the only way the world would would would, would exist. That's the only way it would continue. And so God's plan was never for man to have multiple wives and multiple relationships. He never intended that. He understood the emotional side of that. Next month when I teach on emotional blindness, that's a hint. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to show you how a lot of times you don't even realize how emotionally blind you are. This, this God knew, God knew you were not designed for that. That's, let me just say this to you: anybody who's remarried will tell you this is not the plan I had. Not putting down anybody who's gone through this, and there are many here who have. You would say to anybody who's getting married for the first time, you just want to stay married one time if you can. Anybody who's trying to blend families and you're trying to make it work, you can. you tell them it's not easy. It's not easy to call him my daddy. You ain't my daddy. Or my mama. You don't know what to call him. Hey, Bertha. I mean, you don't know what to say. Emotionally, you just know something ain't right. This is not God's best plan for us. And it's not to put down people who've been through it. I'm just simply saying they can tell you that. God has to wink. And he did this for years. Man decided and the culture. And this is important. The culture around man. Way back to Abraham's day started multiplying wives. And so either God's going to send an angel down and force people, which is not the plan he had. He wanted man to choose of his own free will. That's why he put the tree in the garden. You got to choose me or that. And so men have, throughout history, made choices, and you have to wait for man to grow. In the 60s, 50s, and 40s, you look back at the old movies about racism in our country. Even though we still got some some, some road to travel, please understand it was better. It was we, now it's hard to believe that's even true. It's hard to believe that anybody would have a bathroom for black people and white people. It's amazing that anybody anybody would have the idea to think that we're cattle and that we were brought over here. And that we I mean that that's incredible to me. But that's the level of maturity they had. And you know, you know, I did this thing, it was really interesting. Listen to a Western dialogue back in the early 70s, 1800s. The Western, the, how they talked, you can tell they weren't developed yet. <laughs> their reasoning. You know, you see a lot of things. When you look at Al Capone and all these people and, and uh, <laughs> uh, what's their name, um, Bonnie and Clyde, you know, they were not developed. They, were, they, they had something going on up here that wasn't right. You know how they got caught. They stopped to the fool around. That's what happened. Now, the police chasing you and you decided to pull on the side of the road. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's true. It's horrible. It's just, you know, something is wrong with you. They're chasing you. <laughs> Bedroom blindness is amazing. It just makes you crazy. Some of you can go back in your mind and say, mm-hmm. Come on, give me a mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. You know I'm telling the truth, right? You go through the mall, I tell it all the time. You see him in the mall, you go, mmm. Oh, I can't believe that. Lord have mercy, God. Anyway, I better move on. All right, what was that? You got a blind brother with a blind appetite. After this, Absalom, okay? Amnon falls in love with his sister. Right? Amnon was distressed, verse two. This is 2 Samuel 13, verse 2 now. Distressed over his sister, Tamar, that he became how? sick, so, for she was a virgin. She'd never been with anybody. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. Here's what I want you to notice. This was a good thing. He couldn't get to her. There were guardrails. I love the series by Andy Stanley. I'm promoting somebody else's sermon. I'm telling you, called Guardrails. Google Andy Stanley Guardrails. Watch the whole series. It's fantastic. It's absolutely. <laughs> life-changing listen to the whole thing Andy Stanley guardrails listen to it get it that thing here's, here's the here's a the basic thesis he puts together God puts guardrails up to stop you from falling over the cliff things to stop you, and he couldn't get to her. So there was a good guardrail up. There was something that says, no, 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 no. And sometimes you need guardrails. You need guardrails to protect your children, to protect yourself. You need guard to protect yourself. I have guardrails for me. You know, one of the reasons, I haven't said this anywhere, but it'd be fun. You might ask, well, Pastor Rick, how have you avoided this with your handsome self? How have you avoided <laughs> this problem? Some of you say, yeah, you're getting carried away now a little bit now, <laughs> but let me, let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you. Hey, 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 hey. Come on back. Come on back. you getting off on that. He's blind now. He can't see. He needs some glasses. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's just a hater. That's all it is. Anyway. Now here's here's the deal. Here, here's here's how here's how here's how I've done it. This this is, I'm, I'm gonna give you my some of my formulas. I have this is the truth. I have I have I I'm open. I'm really honest. Okay, Remember, write this down. This is good stuff. Write this down. Okay. This is this is good stuff. I'm honest. If I am attracted to somebody, I'm honest about it. I, I'm 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 real honest. Yeah, I like her. She looks great. Wonderful. But then I'm also I'm also open with myself. That's not true. That that that's what do you think? That this is some kind of magic person? You gotta, you, I have a conversation with myself, okay, so what, is this magic person? Is this some magic dust, some pixie dust? You kiss her, your life's going to be better. You leave your wife, you, leave, you embarrass your church, you embarrass your family. That's just going to make your life great? No! All you got to do is ask her cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to her brother. You understand what I'm saying? That's, a, that's, not, that, that's not true. That's not true. That is not true. 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 I, I, can, I, I almost want to give a living example of how I saw somebody and see in my job. I see people, right? Then I talk to people. And when you see them, then you talk to them, you go, oh, boy. <laughs> big gap, big gap between, between what you see in reality. And that's not to put anybody down, but all of us have issues. I've seen guys with really great wives, with good-looking wives, women with good-looking husbands, and they are not happy. Because it's not looks only say you're with me nothing I've done is this I've been honest been open I put guardrails up I have guardrails I have I have elder women around me I'm really open my wife and and uh, and the the staff who work here will tell you no no he doesn't (laughs) Pastor really don't play that I don't even get close I'm real honest and I don't I mean hey you can you know you can email me you can talk to me but you know if you notice my wife is always in the copy line, almost always. Ninety-nine. Somebody's looking. Hey, Patrick, I think you're handsome. Stop. Delete. No. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. Nobody ever said that, by the way. Don't 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 email it now. But uh, somebody do it to be funny. Patrick, you handsome. <laughs> but I want you to understand, and I, I think it's so important to know that people are not going to do things if you if you if you put the right guardrails up. You shouldn't go over there. That's, I just don't go over there. I don't I don't in, engage in that kind of conversation I don't I'm honest with myself. If somebody else is really Attractive to you and they're really attract you need to let somebody else minister to them. You you're not called to win them to Jesus amen. Amen. Come on say amen. You hear me? Amen. That's somebody else's assignment. That's not your assignment And I've always been honest about that and I think that's been a protector for me. So I'm open. I'm honest and I, I tell the truth to myself and I and I put guardrails up and it has helped me it has helped me survive for 34 years no instances no problems praise the Lord come on, amen I thank, I thank God I thank God but it's it's not because I'm super it's not because I'm a Superman it's not because I can't be tempted it's not because of any of that none of that's true but here's what I want you to watch this this blind blind son and he's the blind brother of Tamar, Amnon, is going to find a way around the guardrail. And I want to show you how he finds it. This is important. And I got to end this. Look at this. Amnon had a blind friend. He had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Now I want you to read this really slow. He's the son of Shemaiah, David's what? Brother. This is his cousin. Normally... It's people in the family who help you go around guardrails. I want you to listen to what he said about it. Now, Jonadab was very a very crafty man. Please notice, he's David's nephew, Uncle David. Catch this now. He said to him, to Amnon, Why are you the king's son becoming every day you're sitting here melting away what's wrong with you man will you tell me amnon said to him i love tamar my brother absolute sister now proverbs thirteen twenty. i wrote that in your notes for you for a reason be with the wise and you'll be wise right but the companion of fools will suffer harm yes. jonadab is going to give him some advice that's going to get amnon killed but Jonadab's going to live. <laughs> Jonadab is going to be fine. Amnon is going to die because he's going to listen to this crafted advice. But let me tell you why this advice will work. And what he's going to do is find a way to get Tamar in the house with Amnon. That's the plan. Okay? Please understand, what he's going to do is he's going to appeal to the blindness of a parent. He knows Uncle David. He knows what Uncle Dave will do and will not do. And he knows Uncle Dave doesn't pay attention to details. That Uncle Dave's a warrior guy. He doesn't pay attention to the minute details. So what, what he says to do is this. So Jonadab said, watch this now, verse 5. Lie down on your bed, pretend to be ill, and when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar <laughs> come and give me some food and prepare it before me in my sight that I may see it. At, at her hand, really. Daddy would say, now, a good daddy said, boy, you crazy. Why do you need her to cook for you? You think she the iron chef? What you need to cook her to cook for you for? Well, all these people I got to cook for you, chefs, all these people. See, this is a daddy who's not thinking. This is a daddy, big point here, who's disconnected. This is a parent who has ignored all the symptoms and signs. And so fast forward, he assaults Tamar. Fast forward, he assaults her and she pleads with him. She says, listen, could you please not do this? Could you please not do this? She said, listen, as, as bad as this is, and you can read all this on your own. I got it under the seven. Uh, Davis family paid an incredible price. 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 39. I have all this so you can just read on your own. She's assaulted by her brother, forced to lose her dream. And here's what, here's what she, she said. She says, listen, could you just please um, ask daddy to let me marry you? Out of all the choices, even though that's not great, it's the best of the choices if that's all I got here now. Because I do not, I, I, this is going to destroy my dream, my life. You know, she used to wear this coat of many colors that said, I'm a virgin. And it was a symbol. And when she when this happened to her, the Bible said that she tore the coat. She tore the coat. She threw sackcloth on her. And then the the most horrible thing is the Bible says after Amnon did this, this is so important, boy, he hated her. You know, what I've learned about people who are bedroom blind. They're never satisfied. You can give yourself to a guy, you listen to me, and you think this is going to keep him. <laughs> Fool yourself, darling. Fool yourself, brother. You think that that somehow is going to be some magic potion that's going to make them stay with you forever, and that you got some, some, holy, some, some sexy dust or something that's going <laughs> to blind them forever? <laughs> huh, please. Your dust will wear off, trust me. That is not enough. He now hates her, and then after he hates her, Here's what's amazing. David hears about this. Right. And then in verse 21 of Second Samuel, chapter 13, all that happens is David gets angry. Big deal. Oh, you're mad. OK, so what now do you go to Absalom and grab him and say, "Hey, boy, you bring him in. Do you have your men go get him? The mighty men go. They go get him. He got Look, David had one thing to say. Bring that boy to me. Oh, they would have got him. Joab and them, (laughs) shoot. He had some people called the sons of Zeruiah. They were some bad boys. They was the ninjas of the day. They did not play. If David said, go get that boy and bring him here, that would have been it. And let me tell you, absolute note, run, but I will not get away. They were ruthless. Did anything. He didn't do that. He just got angry. Sounds like he's lost sight of something. Maybe he's so ashamed of his own life, he doesn't feel like he can confront his son. You see, what Absalom did was Absalom called a party, right? And Absalom had all the family members come to the house. And what Absalom did was he killed Amnon in front of everybody. Read the story. It's amazing. Horrible story. All this started with David, though, remember? It rolled down. It never stops with you. But it can Today, you can say I'm breaking the curse of this in my family. Today, I'm going to get honest with myself. Today, today I'm going to change. Today. Right now. Can't do it on your own, though. (laughs) You know why? Your body's going to disagree with you. Your body's going to say, that was a good sermon, wasn't it? Now, let's get out of there and go on, you know, know, your body, your body, your your mind, your emotions. If you're not careful, you'll walk right out of here and go back to your old life. But you can change. David's story was written for a reason. Why would God put all of this in the Bible and embarrass David, right? No, it's to help you. These things are written, 2 Corinthians says, Paul said, for our examples, that we would not fall into the traps they fell into. This is for you to learn from, embrace, and say, hey, let me not be this way. Let's pray. Father, today what we've heard, I pray, has lifted the lives of your people. I pray they leave this room today inspired and motivated. I pray that everything that I've said has spoken to them in a clear and a powerful way. They would say, I don't want to be blind another day in my life. I want to be, here's a, here's a, here's a good word, holy. Holy. I want to be set apart for God. Look at me. Look at me. It's fun for a season. But how has it helped you? What has it done to you, your your, your sense of identity? What is it doing to you? If our church continues to grow, but half of its members are bedroom blind, what will we be? If half all the men are bound on the internet and tied to pornography, what are we gonna be? How can God, how can, we, how can we be this way and then praise that God uses? He can't trust us. We keep, we keep, and it's not just in this area. It's in our finances. It's in our emotions. It's how we respond to people. I feel like I'm in spiritual surgery right now because as I prepare these messages, I feel like God is saying, temple, come on, man. Let me, let me take you further down the road. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be holy? Stand before God and be holy. Father, help us all. Lift your hand with me. Father, help us all. Help us to see. Help us to hear. It's been too long in our lives been too much a part of who we are it's in every song it's in every movie it's in every video it's everywhere bedroom blind people are pulling us into the web with them. we're losing our way we're not sure where we are or who we are anymore it's a weight that we want to release today and the tragedy is I don't want to be the one passing this baton to the rest of my family I don't want my children to catch this. I don't want to see Ricky or Christina or Milani catch this. I don't want to see my family in 20 years tied to the same bondages. Renovate me. Renovate us. Revive us so we can be holy people used of God To make a difference in the world. Now, Lord, I also pray for people who are here today who don't know You as Savior, who've never given their lives to Jesus, who've never said, "Jesus, be the Lord of my life." Let this be that moment when this happens, where they say, "Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life." I want to change. I need to change. I pray for people, Lord God, who need to rededicate their lives. They need—they need to say, "Jesus, I've been off track. I need to get back on." And also pray for people who need to be members some people need to say i need to be a part of a church like this this is where i need to be a place like this where i can grow and change and learn i pray your blessing upon them today and i pray this will be a moment of great healing and blessing in jesus name everybody say amen, amen. can we give god a big hand clap if you guys